continuing my series and actually probably finishing up this series on the powerful names of God before we enter into the holidays and have our breaks and when the office is closed. But tonight we're going to look at Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And one of the things that I want us to remember is that the names of God, or when we think about the names of God, I want us to remember that His names are who He is. Amen? It's not just a title that He carries. It's not just a title that He bears. It's who He is. It is His divine nature. It's His divine character. It's His divine attributes, church. And when we are established in Him and our lives are established in Him, then we receive everything that He is. And the Word of God tells us that He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. So when we're established in Jehovah Shalom, who is peace, then His peace is ours. Amen? And that's what we're going to look at this evening, Jehovah Shalom. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I've got a lot to cover. I'm not sure how much I'll get in or have to overlook, but the Lord will just give me what we need, and I pray that you are able to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen? So, Father, we just thank you for your love and for your power. We thank you for your presence, for your faithfulness in our lives. I thank you for everyone that's made their way into your house tonight, God. And I pray that you would just fill us with your spirit, fill us with your word, your anointing. God, I pray that you would, as always, touch my mind, my mouth, my words. Uh, God, that I would be under your control and not under my own. I yield myself to you, Father God, and ask that you be glorified in everything that's said and done this evening, that you would give our people ears to hear, God, to hear your word, not the whisperings of the world and the the words of the, the enemy, Father God, as we try to receive the seeds of salvation into our lives, God, give them ears that are able to hear you and, and hearts that are willing and ready to receive, God. Come against all the distractions, the disruptions, the cares and the concerns of life that so often overwhelm us, the busyness, God, especially during the holiday season. I'm just thankful, God, for everyone that took the time, God, tonight to be in your house, in your presence, and I pray that you would just bless them abundantly because of it, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, When you hear the word peace or we speak the word peace, Probably each and every one of us might picture something different in our mind when I say that word and you were to develop a mental picture in your mind. I believe we would probably have as, as many different pictures as there are people. If I was to ask you to express peace in your words, they would probably all sound a little bit different as well. Uh, some of us might associate peace with a soldier waving a white flag of surrender. For some, it might mean a night in the Middle East without bombs or bullets or bloodshed. Uh, For others, they might picture peace as a babbling brook running through a lush green valley. Uh, To others, it might invoke thoughts of a couple hippies waving the peace sign. For others, it might be a night when the kids are at grandma's house and enjoy a night of peace. Some might think peace is a big pile of money or a a pile of worldly riches. Uh, Some people might think peace is swinging on a hammock, enjoying uh, iced tea or a lemonade or watching the sunset on a cool summer's night. But the question we have tonight is what happens to that kind of peace? What happens to that perfect picture of peace when the war starts again? 
and the bombs burst again, the bullets fly again. What happens to that kind of peace that we just painted a picture of when the babbling brook dries up or the once green valley turns brown? What happens to that kind of peace when the kids come back home from grandma's house and the kicking and the screaming and the arguing starts all over again? What happens when the money runs out? What happens to those pleasant pictures of peace that we like to paint when the world around us turns dark and the tides turn to tidal waves and the the winds and the storms of life begin to kick up around us, church? You see, the truth is, as many of us discovered and very well know, there is no sunset and there is no babbling brook and there is no cool summer breeze that has the power to, to soothe or bring peace to a ravaged soul or to still the storms that wage against our mind every single day. There is no glass of lemonade. There's no glass of iced tea that can bring the peace that we're talking about this evening when your world seems to be turned upside down. I don't care how how cool the breeze is or how comfy the hammock is. When your life is turned upside down, the peace that we've just painted a picture of, it just dissipates and disappears, church, because as you all well know, we don't live within a pretty portrait of peace like it's been experienced. Explained. We don't live in a pretty picture where the sun is always shining and the brook is always babbling and the birds are always singing and the, and the breeze is always blowing. We're not living inside of the picture church where there's a smile on everyone's face. We're living in a real world, church. We're living in a messed up world. We're living in a sin-saturated world. We're living in a world, the Bible says, that's passing away. We're living in the midst of an evil world that's filled with bitterness and hatred and envy and, and strife and all those other things that I'm talking about. We're living in a world where bad things happen to good people, even God's people. Amen, church? I mean, listen, I know the kind of world we live in and so do you. And it's not a pretty portrait like I just painted. In this world, we will have trouble, the Bible says. And what happens to this kind of worldly, secular peace when all of those things pile up against us, church, or come into our lives? The reality is we're living in a world, church, where we need a divine peace. We need a heavenly peace. We need a certain peace. We need a peace that can't be moved. We need a peace that can't be disturbed or disrupted by the the things that go on in our life, church. And it's why we need to know the name Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Because like I said, we're surrounded by the woes of the world and the storms of life every single day. Because Satan is continually out to steal, kill, and destroy, the Bible says. We need to know Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Because no matter how good we think we are and no matter how righteous we think we are, we still struggle with sin and selfishness on our own. Every single one of us have those struggles in our life, church, and all of those things together that I just explained create chaos in our lives. 
Our lives become filled with pressure and strife and conflict and fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and panic and anger and guilt and even shame because of all of those things that I said surround us in this life. And when those things strike against us, church, all of those things come together in our life. What happens to our so-called peace? What happens to this pretty portrait of peace that we painted in our mind's Mentally, church. What happens when our world is turned upside down? The peace dries up with the brook. It blows away with the wind. It leaves with the spouse. It's overcome by the storm. It's strangled by our struggles, church. Unless we know the name of Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Unless we hide ourselves in him who is, whose name is a strong tower, the Bible says, that can't be toppled and it can't be shaken and it can't be moved. Unless we, are, unless we know Jehovah Shalom, unless we hide ourselves in Jehovah Shalom, all of those things that I talk about. They'll topple our lives and they'll tip our lives and, and they'll turn our lives upside down. But if we know Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace and we anchor ourselves in him just like the cornerstone. How many of you know, listen, Jehovah Shalom is our cornerstone. Amen. He is our cornerstone, and when we anchor ourselves in him, church, it doesn't matter about all of these other things. We can, the Bible says, be safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe from all of these things that take place around us in this wicked world in which we live. The name of the Lord, the name Jehovah Shalom is a strong tower in the midst of the storm. Listen, I don't know about you, boy, but I'm glad that there's a strong tower that I can run into. Amen? A place where I can find safety, and that is in Jehovah Shalom. To give you a little background on the, the name Jehovah Shalom, you have to go back to the story of Gideon, or Gideon, who we looked at a, a couple weeks ago in Judges chapter 6, where the Israelites lived in constant stress and fear over the Midianites, who the Bible says were like locusts upon their land. And the Bible or the story, the Bible tells us this story about the Midianites who would come and raid the land of Israel just at a moment's notice, whenever they decided they want to, but they would raid the land and they would overrun all of Israel's crops. They would devastate their farmland. They would take their goats and take their sheep and take their oxen and take their livestock. They would undo years worth of planting and cultivating and toiling with the land that the Israelites had, had, had done so that they could live and sustain and have life, church. But the Midianites, the Bible says, they would, they would rage in just like the locust and devastate the land. The Bible tells us that actually Midian ruled over the Israelites. And if you remember from a previous study, the name or the word Midian or Midianites, it means strife. So you know what they were dealing with, amen? You see, God gives names for a reason, and there's, there's a parallel here, and there's something that we have to learn. In other words, uh, you know, strife ruled and reigned, the Bible says, over the Midianites. And so here's the reality is, it means constant strife. It doesn't just mean a little bit of strife. It means constant strife. And if you ever feel like that, boy, just 
constant strife and struggle going on in your life. Well, that's what was happening here. It means constant friction, constant conflict, constant wrangling, constant struggles, church. It's exactly what Israel lived with all year long for seven years, the Bible says, without any break. Seven years they lived under the rule and the dominion of Midian. They lived under the rule and reign of strife, church, without any break, with no let up, no backing off, no ceasefire, no truce, no reprieve, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter 6 that Israel lived for seven years under Midian's power and authority, which means for seven years they had no peace. Because how many of you know where there is strife, there's no peace? When strife rules in your life, there's no peace in your life. When strife rules in your mind, there's no peace in your mind. When strife rules in your household and in your marriage, there's no peace in your household and in your marriage. The only way that, that, that peace rules is if it rules over strife. Strife has to be overcome. But the Bible tells us for seven years they had no peace, church. They had strife in their life. Instead, in Judges chapter 6, we find that Gideon was so stricken with strife that he was hiding out in a cave, threshing wheat in a wine press. He was threshing wheat instead of being out in a big open field. He was hiding in a cave, threshing wheat in a wine press. And, and I pause just for a moment to let you know, how many of you know when strife strikes your life and rules your life, you do some weird things? You do some things that you really shouldn't be doing or, or God, that, that God intended for you to do. God didn't intend for them to be, pr uh, uh, you know, threshing wheat in a wine press. They were to be pressing olives in the, in, in, or grapes in the wine press and, and threshing wheat out in the field. But he was so stricken by strife that he was hiding out in a cave. He was so filled with turmoil and so ruled by a wrangling of his spirit, the Bible tells us, that he retreated into a dark place. He was afraid to face the day. He was afraid to go about his normal functions and his normal activities like he would if there was no strife in his life, if there were no Midianites in his life. How many of you ever felt that way, church? You're so, you're so filled with struggle and strife and turmoil that you feel like you've been hiding in a cave. You're afraid to face the day. You're afraid to go out and live life normally, church, because strife the spirit of Midian is ruling all over you, church. But it's what happened with Gideon, and it's what happened to the Israelites. He, he, he was afraid to face the day because that's what strife and stress does. It makes us retreat. It closes us off. It shuts us down and it makes us hide, church. It pushes us into dark places instead of us living in the light. How many of you know God wants you to live in the light like he's in the light? The devil wants you to live in the darkness like he's in the darkness. He, he wants you to live in the caves and he wants you to live in the shadows. He wants you threshing weed in a cave and in a wine press instead of where you should be doing it, church. This is the thing that, that happened with, with uh, Gideon. It's what happened with Israel. It's what strife does and it's what stress does. It pushes us into dark places instead of living in the light. But it was here in the dark place, church. It was here in the cave. 
It was here in a season of strife, a long seven-year season of strife in verses 22 to 24 where God reveals himself to Gideon as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. It was here in the darkness of his despair that God shone the light of peace into his life, church. It was here where Gideon found peace in the midst of his storm and in the midst of his struggle. And that peace, the Bible shows us, led him to victory. Listen, how many of you know when you got peace in your heart, you, you can conquer anything, amen? When you got peace in your heart and you trust that the Spirit of God is with you and on you and in you and around you, and you got peace in your soul and it's not topsy-turvy and it's, it's not upside down, you can do what Gideon did. You go from the least of the family church to the mighty warrior that God's called us to be. And the only way, listen to me, the only way that God would be able to use Gideon and the only way Gideon would be able to fulfill that prophetic word or that prophetic name that God called him mighty warrior was for him to have a spirit of peace within him, church. And it's one of the reasons why we can't accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. It's one of the reasons why we can't march out into the highways and the byways of life. It's one of the reasons we can't overcome the enemy of darkness, church, because we're filled with strife and fear and anxiety and all these other emotions that rule over us, church. But if we could understand who we are and who he is, then we can do the things that Gideon did, church, that we can fulfill the name that he called us. Listen, his name is Jehovah Shalom, and Jehovah Shalom called Gideon a mighty warrior. But that warrior would not come out until he understood that Jehovah Shalom, who is peace, is his peace as well. And there's a story there in, 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 in Judges chapter 6. Read it. You'll read the whole story, church. But he reveals himself in the midst of his darkness, church. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God reveals himself in the dark places of our life. Amen? Listen. I think every one of us have had God reveal himself to us in a dark moment of our life, church. Listen. Unless there's darkness, the light can't be. You understand what I'm saying? When there's darkness, you can see the light shine in. And all of us were in a place like that. And Jehovah Shalom shined the light of his peace into the darkness of Gideon's life. And his life was turned around. And he went from the least of Manasseh to the mighty warrior that set Israel free. And it's what the peace of God can do in our lives as well. We just need to receive him and hide ourselves in him, church. Listen, God can reveal himself in the dark places of our life. He can reveal himself in the desolate places, in the desperate places of our life. He can reveal himself in the struggles and in the storms all through Scripture. That is where God actually does reveal himself. He revealed himself in the wilderness. He revealed himself in the fiery uh, furnace. He revealed himself in the, in the flood. He revealed himself in the lion's den. He revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom or the, the Prince of Peace to the young disciples when they first came to Christ and began following him. And you know the story how they all got in the boat and they were going to go to the other side. And a storm raged up and the sky grew dark and the winds and the waves began to beat against their life. And what happened to their peace? It, it dissipated with the wind until Jesus stood up as Jehovah Shalom, 
until Jesus stood up as the Prince of Peace and he looked out over those waves and he looked out over that wind. And what did he say? He said, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And it was still because he is peace, the Prince of Peace that has power and authority and rule over every wind and every wave and every storm and every trial and every tribulation and every tossing of the boat. He has power and authority over those things. And when we know him as that and have relationship with him like that, church, and his spirit of peace is within us, it gives us the power to speak over the circumstances and situations of our life as well. And sometimes, listen, sometimes, because there's two stories, it's not in my notes, but I want you to grasp this. Sometimes you can, sometimes you, you speak to your surroundings, and sometimes you speak to your spirit. There were two times that the, the disciples were in a boat and experienced a storm. The first time they were young in their faith, and they spoke to their surroundings. Or Jesus spoke to their surroundings, and peace be still. The second time, he spoke to the spirit in the men and in Peter. And said, don't be afraid. He didn't speak to the elements. He wanted Peter and the disciples to understand what peace is all about. It's not about your surroundings. It's not about your circumstance. It's not about your situation. When you're young, it is. But when you're mature in the Lord, it's not. It's about the peace that's deep down within your soul. And that's what he wants us to understand And that's who Jehovah Shalom gives us, and it's who the Prince of Peace is to us, church. And I'll get at that as I go along. But the reality is, church, he'll do the same for us as he did for all of these other individuals when we recognize who he is. Amen? So the question is, what is peace? If it's not those things that I talk about, what is the peace that's recorded in Scripture And the first thing that I can tell you is what it's not. Like I said, it's not a glass of iced tea. It's not a glass of lemonade. It's not lying on a hammock. It's not a cool mountain breeze. It's not a babbling brook. It's not a hippie's hello. It's not any of those things, church. It's not a brief reprieve even. It's not a ceasefire. It's not even a truce. And I pause because how many of you know the last thing the Lord wants for his children is for us to live in a truce with the devil? Please grasp what I'm saying here. The last thing God Almighty, the last thing Jehovah Shalom, the last thing Elohim, the last thing El Shaddai, the last thing the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty wants for his children is for us to live in a truce with the devil. The last thing he wants us to do is settle for a tie with a tyrant, church. He wants us to be more than conquerors over the enemy. He wants us to be more than conquerors over strife and stress and anxiety and depression and anxiousness and fear and doubt. He wants us to be more than conquerors over all of those things. He wants us to be the head and not the tail, the above and not the beneath. He wants us to live in complete authority and dominion over the spirit of Midian and strife in our life. He doesn't want us to... to, 
to have a compromise with the enemy. He wants us to topple the enemy, church. He wants us to live in in authority over the enemy. He doesn't want us to, to enter into some kind of truce with the enemy. It's what the children of Israel did, if you you know your Bible, when they went into the promised land. God said, wipe them all out. But more than half the tribes, they cohabitated with the enemy. They mingled with the enemy. They lived with the enemy. They tried to live in a truce with the enemy. And the enemy was a constant thorn in their flesh all their life long. And listen, he'll do the same with you, and he'll do the same with me. We cannot live in a truce with a tyrant. We have to topple him, church, under the power and the authority that's been given to us in Jesus Christ. It's not devil. Please leave me alone. It's not devil. How about a truce? How about we work something out here, buddy? He might say, okay. And then stab you in the back when you walk away. Because there is no truth-mindedness in the devil either. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want a truce with you. He wants to kill you. And we have to have that same spirit within us. I'm not going to negotiate with the devil. I'm not, I'm not going to try to have a truce with the devil. I'm going to understand who I am in God and in Christ. And I'm going to exercise that power and authority with a spirit of peace saturating my soul so I can overtake him and not be afraid when I do. The, most, the main reasons that we back off when it comes into conflict with the enemy is this thing called fear. This thing called doubt. We get afraid, we get worried, we get anxious about it. We don't feel like we can do it. And guess what? You can't do it and neither can I. It's why we need Jehovah Shalom to settle our soul. And then we need Jehovah Sabaoth, the one who fights forward for us to go before us and wipe them out. Because we can't do it on our own. Amen? Amen? I just threw another name in there to help us understand that. But the reality is, he wants us to be more than conquerors. And we do it through Jehovah Shalom. We do it through the Lord our peace. We do it through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. We do it through the one that rules over strife and stress and over every struggle. We do it through the one that has complete dominion over the spirit of Midian that's operating. Listen, please understand me. If there is ever a time where the spirit of Midian was operating in our world, it's today. If there was ever a time and a season where the spirit of strife is operating in our households and in our government and in our schools and in our workplace and in our society, it's today. In our marriages and in everything, it's today. And we need to learn how to defeat it and battle it. And when we understand scripture and we understand his names and we understand who he is and who we are, we can conquer that spirit. Amen? But we have peace through the one who has dominion over Midian. Please understand, according to Scripture, peace is much bigger than than calm. It's even bigger than the word or the meaning of happiness, church. The word peace in Scripture is shalom. And it means several things in the Hebrew. It means wholeness. It means completeness and well-being. It means having things properly aligned in your life and properly aligned in your spirit, church. It means even though this might sound Zen-like, you know, it might sound mystic-like, 
But the reality is in the Hebrew, shalom even means harmony and balance, church. Like I said, I know that sounds Zen-like, but that's a Hebrew definition of what shalom means. And the reality is, listen, I'm using specifically that harmony and balance because the reality is unless you and I have harmony with God, unless you and I walk in accord with God on our in one with God, that's what harmony means. It means to be in union with, to walk in accord with, to be, to be one with. Unless we are walking in harmony with God, we can't have peace in our life. If you want harmony in your spirit, and I want harmony in my spirit, I have to be first in harmony with God. I have to be in one accord with God. I have to be walking with God. I have to be knit with God. I have to be in union with God, church. Because if I'm not, I can't have peace. Can't have peace. We can't have peace in our marriage and unless our marriage is in harmony with God. We can't have peace in our finances unless our finances are in harmony with God. And I know a lot of people don't like when we go down that road about money. But unless your money and how you spend it and how you use it and how you give it to God and how you bless the church with it, if that's not in harmony with God, you won't have peace in your finances. If, 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 ah, I'm not going to go there, Lord. We got to have, we have to be in harmony with God if we want harmony in our spirit. Listen, it was the problem with the Israelites in Judges chapter 6. The reason they were living, the main reason they were living under strife and under, under the rule of Midian, under the spirit of Midian, is because they were not in harmony with God. They were not in accord with God. If you watch the cycle of the Israelites, they worship God, they praise God. They get lazy with God. They fall away from God. God begins to discipline and God begins to put them in bondage and God lets bad things happen to them so that they cry out and repent and come back to God again. Well, here's, this is what happened to the Israelites for seven years because they were living out of harmony with God. They were in discord with God. They had enmity with God going on in their life. They, they weren't in accord with God, living for God. They were living for themselves. And it's why the spirit of strife ruled over them. And my point is simply this. We cannot have this kind of peace that I'm talking about and the power that comes with it unless we are living in harmony with God, with his word, with his spirit, with his will for our lives. This is how we experience what's going on in our life, church. And the reality is, unless we have harmony with God, we will, we will be ruled by the, the spirit of Midian as well. But when we yield ourselves to him and we walk in harmony with him, then we see the power of his peace begin to invade our life and the situations of our life as well. It means far more. Listen, peace means far more than feeling good at a particular moment. It means more than happiness as well because happiness is based on what happens in, in your life. If something good happens in my life, <laughs> I'm happy, 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 happy. Somebody says something nice, I'm, I'm happy. You know, happiness is based on happenings. Something good happens in my life, I'm happy. If something bad happens in my life, guess what? I'm sad. And so are you. 
Because listen to me, church. The, the reality is, like I said, because happiness is based on what happens. But peace or shalom, it's not based on what happens, church. It's based on God. It's based on his promise. It's based on its word. It's based on the truth. And, and it's based on things that have been established for all eternity, church. Listen, let me give you an example of what I mean about happiness. It's like I said. How many of you know it's possible for someone to govern and control your happiness simply by words that they speak or certain information they disperse into your life? Your happiness can be governed and controlled simply by information other individuals share with you. If you give them enough, if, if they give you enough bad information, if they say enough bad things to you, if they're negative, negative enough around you, guess what? They can steal your joy. They can steal your happiness. They can steal your clap and your song and your dance. They can take it away from you, church. Listen, all you got to do is turn on the daily news for a few days. And watch what happens to your joy. Watch what happens to your happiness. It, 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 man, it just shrivels up and it goes away. I've purposed to turn that stuff off. I mean, I could watch it today and watch it a month from now and the same exact garbage is on there all the time. And it has the power to control someone's joy and someone's happiness. And I'll give you a side lesson on that. You can do the same to somebody else. If you're always negative around someone else, if you're always speaking junk into their life, if you're always, if you're always sharing negative information, guess what you're doing to their spirit? You're stealing their joy and you're stealing their happiness. And listen to me, God wants you to have joy and God wants you to have happiness. But there's a level beyond both of those, church, that can't be shaken no matter what someone says and no matter what someone does. And it's called peace. It's called shalom alone. It's called wholeness, completeness, well-being, deep inside my soul, regardless of what happens around me, amen? On the same note or the opposite note, if someone gives you enough good news, someone shares enough good information with you, if they're a positive enough influence over you or in your presence, then they can cause your, in, your happiness to increase. Because again, happiness is based on happenings, but that's not peace, church. Because peace or shalom isn't tied to our situations. It's not tied to our circumstances in life. It's not affected by bad news. It's not affected by septic circumstances that surround us every single day, church. It's not polluted by the problems of life that seem to pile up on us every single day, church. Peace is not that way because it's not anchored in anything earthly, the Bible says. It's established on the eternal. It's established in the heavens, church. Please understand, shalom doesn't hide in a cave. Shalom doesn't surrender to the struggle. Peace or shalom is always the head and not the tail. It's always the above and it's not the beneath, church. Peace doesn't go hide out in a cave because it's filled with fear. Shalom overwhelmingly conquers the spirit of strife that strikes against us time and time again. It rules over Midian like it's supposed to. As sons and daughters of God... Filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the peace of God, we should rule over every unclean spirit. 
We should. That's the way we should live our life. That's the way he designed and created his children to be. That's why he filled us with his spirit. It's why he filled us with his power so we could live in complete dominion and rule over Midian like we're supposed to. And it's what Gideon finally ended up doing when he recognized God as shalom in his life, as the Lord his peace. It says this in Judges chapter 6, verse 23, while Gideon was hiding out in a cave, the angel of the Lord appears to him, the Bible tells us. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I'll read verse 23. The Lord said to him, Gideon, while hiding in a cave, first word out of his mouth, mouth was peace, peace. Just like Jesus spoke to the storm, the wind and the wave, the turmoil that was taking place around him, he said, peace to the storm that was going on in Gideon's life. He spoke peace to the turmoil that was topsy-turvy inside of his spirit. Peace! He released into Gideon's life. Peace to you, he said. Shalom to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Gideon was so filled with strife, so filled with fear, that he thought his, his life could end at any moment. Devil's got me. Midian's got me. I'm afraid to go out. I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid I'm going to die. Listen, that's, that's the depths of darkness that the devil can bring upon us. So we're just afraid to live life, afraid to step out. Of, that's exactly where Gideon was, and God shows up. Jehovah Shalom shows up and says, peace, release peace into his life, and said, don't fear you shall not die. Then Gideon, after God revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom, it says, then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. It's the first time Jehovah Shalom was mentioned in scripture. It's the first time that he revealed himself. And I say all that because God wants to reveal himself to you and I in our caves and in our circumstances, our situations, our topsy-turvy trials of life. He wants to do the same thing for us. And he's saying it to you tonight. He's releasing his peace and saying, peace. Don't be afraid. Peace to your circumstance and your situation. Peace to your household. Peace to your mind. Peace to your finances. Peace to your impossibility. He wants to reveal himself as Jehovah Shalom, the one who can have peace, church. And when he revealed himself to, to Gideon, like he revealed himself to others in scriptures, what's the first thing that he did? He built an altar in recognition of the God who met him and revealed himself to him. Church, listen, I believe it's time we start building some altars in the midst of our difficulties. It's time to start building some altars in the midst of our struggles and our trials and our tribulations, in the midst of our caves, in the midst of all of these uncertain situations that we find ourselves in. Instead of grumbling and complaining and whining and trying to figure out what in the world we can do to turn it around ourselves, we need to build an altar and recognize God for who he is. 
and say, thank you, God, for revealing yourself to me. And you're the one I'm counting on. You're the one I'm turning to. You're the one I'm recognizing. You're the one I'm praising. You're the one. An altar is a place of surrender. You're the one I'm surrendering all of my fear to, all of my panic to, all of my worry to, all of my anxiety to. Gideon laid it out at the altar. And said, I will now be ruled by Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. And he went in that peace. And you know what he did. With a handful of men, he took down all the Midianites. Amen? I mean, listen, that's what God can do for us as well. If we would just recognize him as that. Oh, please understand the balance we need in the midst of the storm. The stability we need when Satan strikes. The wholeness we need when the enemy takes away from us, church. The well-being we need when we're stuck in a cave comes from one place and one place alone. Comes from Jehovah Shalom. Comes from the Prince of Peace. Doesn't come from man. Doesn't come from me. Doesn't come from pastor. Doesn't come from any of the other staff. The only place that this kind of peace comes from is from Jehovah Shalom. It's from Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, church. That's what we have to understand. Listen, I've still got some time, but in John 16, 33, Jesus said to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. So that in me you might have peace. So that in me you might have balance. In me you might have completeness. In me you might have wholeness. Listen, the main reason so many individuals don't have a completeness and a wholeness and a, and a, and a balance and, and, and a well-being in their spirit is because they're not in Christ and they're not looking for what they need in Christ. They're looking all over the place to find the peace that passes all understanding. But there's only one place we can find that, amen? And it's the first place we should go to, and it's, to who the, it's the altar to who we should build to, and it's the altar where we should lay down all of our worries and fears. Jesus is the only one who can make me whole. Jesus, Jehovah Shalom, is the only one who can make me complete, church. Remember what the word shalom means, It's completeness and wholeness. He's the one that makes me complete. He's the one that makes me whole. Amen? Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. In other words, be at peace, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome struggle. I've overcome strife. I've overcome stress. I've overcome worry. I've overcome fear. I've overcome depression. I've overcome all of those things that just wrangle about in your mind and wrangle about in your spirit. Be at peace, for I've overcome Midian. I've overcome Midian. I've overcome that spirit of strife that is saturating our society today. It seems like, man, you can't drive down the road without that spirit coming against you. I know that's the way it is for me. It just seems like wherever I go, it's like that that spirit wants to stir up some strife. And if we give it room, there goes our peace. My wife will be the first one to tell you that. And I've told you, boy, my, my, my biggest struggle is in the car. Not with my wife or my family, it's with all of those bozos around me. 
God forgive me, you know that's a joke. But it just stirs up strife inside of me. And listen to me, I'm just telling you, even there, I need to build an altar. Even there at that moment when I feel like that spirit of strife is just trying to overtake me, I need to release the peace of God into my circumstance, my situation, and, 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 and start even speaking peace into that, amen? I mean, that's the way I have to deal with it. I don't know how you do, but that's how I have to deal with it. I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you might have trouble, but Descartes, for I've overcome the world. Be at peace because I've overcome Midian. In John 16, Jesus taught peace could be found in him and him alone. In me, he said, in me. Not in a bottle of booze, not in drugs, not in a pill, not in a guy, not in a girl, not in wealth and riches, not in fame, not in fortune, in me. Not in the backseat of a car, not on a pornographic, in me. In me. You shall have peace, church. He was teaching us in that passage that it only comes from one place. We can't be at peace without God. We can't be at peace without Christ in every area of our life that is experiencing turmoil. Whether it's marriage or money, those things have to be yielded to him. Amen? Listen, in Jesus, I'll start winding this down pretty soon. John 14, 26. In Jesus' last will and testament, in his last words to his dear friends before facing the cross and going up to his father, the last piece of communication that he has with his closest friends, they call it the last will and testament, because he left them with something. And he said, peace I leave with you. Shalom I leave with you. Wholeness I leave with you. Contentment, I leave with you. Fullness, I, I leave with you. Well-being, I leave with you. Harmony, I, I leave with you. I leave that with you, he said. He said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give. And again, he goes on, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful, because I've given you my peace. I've given you my shalom. I've given you completeness and wholeness. In other words, Jesus was saying, I've given you everything, and I am right now. I'm giving you everything you need to live a complete life in me. Outside of him, listen, you'll never be complete without Christ. No one I know, no one in this world will be complete without Christ, church. It's why we need him. It's why those around you need him desperately and why you need to share how much they need him because they will never be complete without Jesus Christ. Can't be. I give you my peace. I give you my completeness. We can't have that without Jesus Christ. Any other form of peace will be topsy-turvy, church. Jehovah Shalom left us what this world can't give, the Bible says. A peace that the world can't give and the world can't take away. Listen, the world can give you a lot of things that people think bring peace. It can, this world can give you fame and fortune. It can give you popularity and prestige. It can give you a corner office with a, with a name plaque on your door. It can give you a penthouse suite. It can give you a lot of things, church. But there's one thing this world cannot give you, and it's peace. Can't give you shalom. Of all the things that Jesus could have left with his disciples, he left them his peace because he knew the world in which they lived. 
He knew what they would face. He knew the storms. He knew the trials. He knew the tribulations. He knew a pile of money and a bunch of gold coins wouldn't get them through the heartache and get them through the persecution and get them through the trials and get them through the tribulations. He knew that a penthouse suite with a corner office wouldn't get them through their life when it turned upside down on them. Because there's people with corner offices and a pile of money that will end their life because their life is filled with strife. Because they have no peace. And it's exactly why Jesus gave us his peace. Because he knew it's exactly what we needed to endure to the end. To make it to glory. Amen? So listen, I'm going to close with this as I wind it down. I want to tell you a story about two artists who were commissioned to paint a picture of peace. The one who painted the best picture would win $250,000. As you can imagine, both artists attempted to paint the finest picture they've ever painted or put on a canvas. The first painter set to work by creating a serene portrait of a lake with the sun glistening off of it at just the right angle so that it sparkled across the top of the water. The purest blue shade lay across the top of the water to complement the deep blue sky. The artist added a young girl skipping near the lake with a yellow balloon securely fastened to her wrist, flying in the wind. Trees towered gracefully on one side of the lake with birds gathering in the tallest of the branches. After completing his painter, the painter leaned or after completing his painting, the painter leaned back and took a deep breath of satisfaction. In his mind, he had portrayed perfect peace and was sure to win the prize. However, the second artist had a very different idea in mind when he painted his image. In his painting, the sky was pitch black. Lightning zigzagged through the sky violently and aimlessly. The painter also had water, but the waves in his painting roared as if they were awakened from a terrible nightmare. Trees bent and bowed across the canvas, whining in the wind. The painting looked more like a disaster area than a picture of peace. But all the way down in the bottom left corner, just near the very edge of this horrific scene, a little bird stood on a rock. The little bird had its mouth open as if singing a beautiful song. One faint ray of light shone down on the bird as it sung in spite of its surroundings. And as you probably guessed, the second painter won the competition. Because the artist showed the the truest manifestation of peace. He showed the truest well-being of soul and wholeness that resonates from deep within despite what's going on around us. It showed the well-being of the heart regardless of the happenings. So what do we learn from this lesson tonight? What do we learn from this story about the painters? We learn that being at peace doesn't mean being calm when everything around us is calm. Being at peace means your soul is at rest. It means your soul is complete. It means your soul is well aligned. It means your soul is well balanced and in harmony when everything around it seems wrong. 
It means that your soul and your spirit are balanced even when the world around you is upside down. So the closing question is, how do we find that peace? How do we find that peace that allows the bird to sit still and sing a song, standing on the rock in the center of a storm, with lightning flashing, waves blowing, thunder clashing, we find it in Jesus Christ. We find it in Jehovah Shalom. We find it in the Prince of Peace. Again, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Amen? In the world you'll have trouble, my disciples, but in me, Jehovah Shalom, you shall, shall have peace. I close with this. We need to remember what Jesus was telling them. He was reminding them that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe in the midst of a storm, safe in the midst of a struggle, church. And as long as we run into him, we can be safe as well. As long as we turn to him, we can experience and have that peace in our life as well. Amen? So as I close, my question is, who could use some peace tonight in the midst of their storm? I know I can. If that's you, I'm just going to ask that you stand to your feet because we're going to pray and we're going to call on Jehovah Shalom to speak peace into our circumstance and peace into our situation and for him to reveal himself divinely in the midst of our struggle and in the midst of our circumstance, amen? So my prayer tonight and your prayer tonight is that you would know Jehovah Shalom like you've never known him before. That we stop wrangling with the situations and circumstances on our own and we build an altar right where we stand and say tonight, God, I'm giving it all to you. Jehovah Shalom, you've got my mess. And I thank you that you're going to reveal yourself to me as Jehovah Shalom, amen? So, Father God, I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you for the revelation of who you are as Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. God, what I'm praying tonight is that you would be Prince of Peace in every area of our life. God, I know that there's individuals here tonight, including myself, who have some storms going on in their life, God circumstances that just come up out of nowhere, situations and, and trials and tribulations and struggles that they're going through, God. The spirit of Midian trying to raise up and take authority and rule over their lives. God, tonight, in the name of Jesus, we together speak peace over those struggles, peace over those storms, peace over those situations and circumstances that are trying to turn our lives upside down and inside out. God, I pray that the Prince of Peace would take dominion and authority over every area of our life that's troubled tonight, God. That you would speak peace to the storm and the waves, God, that are going on in our mind and going on in our heart, our marriages, our finances, our, uh, uh, any other area of our life, God. Peace in the name of Jesus. God, I'm praying that we would not be uh, affected by the, the happenings of life that go on around us, God, that we would be able to be like the bird in that story that stands on the rock eternal, 
that stands on the rock of Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, that we can find our song in the midst of our struggle, God, that we can find our song in the midst of our situations and circumstances, God. No matter how, how much thunder, no matter how much lightning, no matter how much darkness might be trying to descend upon us, God, let us not be moved by situation or circumstance, God. I know that there's some people here tonight that need a complete turnaround. I pray in the midst of that that you would be their, their Prince of Peace, God. Settle their soul even tonight and let them go home knowing that you're in control of it all, God. So God, tonight what we're doing now is we're building an altar just like Gideon did. We're laying down our frustrations. We're laying down our struggles, our sadnesses. We're laying down all of those cares. And we're saying, Jehovah Shalom, be our peace. Be our peace. Be that thing that keeps us still. Be our wholeness. Be our fullness. Be our balance. Be our well-being. Oh, God, I pray that you would bring us into harmony with you tonight, God. If there's any area of our lives that's out of balance and not in accord with you and out of balance with you, bring it into balance tonight, God, so that, that your spirit of peace might descend upon our lives and saturate our soul. Over every individual that's here tonight, God, I pray the power of peace be with them. God, that as they go, that you would silence the turbulence of the troubles that they face, God. That when they go to bed tonight, that they would have a divine visitation from Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, God. That their minds, their thoughts, their dreams would be pleasant and peaceful, God, in the name of Jesus. That when they wake up tomorrow, they would feel refreshed in their spirit. I speak peace in the name of Jesus, God, over every storm that they're struggling with, God. That you would reveal yourself in a mighty way. Whatever character, whatever divine attribute, whatever nature needs to be revealed in their life and in their situation, God, let it be in Jesus' mighty name. Now, God, I pray that you would take this word and let it be established in the soil of their soul. Let it be not be snatched away by the birds of the air, God. Let it not be strangled out by the weeds of life and the cares of life and the circumstances and situations of life. Let it not wither in the midst of the, the sun and the scorching trials that we face. Let it find fertile soil within our soul, God, that's been prepped by your spirit. That it'll bring forth the fruit of peace in our life. And fruit that will last no matter what happens around us. We give the praise and the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Can we bless him for his word tonight, church? Amen. God bless you as you go and go in peace in Jesus' name.